0: How did Kasperi Kapanen get out of Mike Sullivan's doghouse and start scoring like a maniac this month? Or is there even a doghouse? Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kaboshwitch of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way every Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning. Kapanen's got three goals and three assists in four games so far this month, meaning the early portion of March, of course. And it's been by far the most encouraging stretch of his brief tenure of his return to the Penguins. Not just the goals and the assists either. He's just generally playing really well. He's creating offense. The performance that he had a couple of nights ago against the Rangers... Could have easily been three, four, five points with all of the opportunities that took place between him and Evgeny Malkin. It's really, really encouraging to see the Penguins have needed someone to step up to be kind of a, a, a wild card, maybe somebody that you weren't banking on, something, someone somehow that was different from last season, and, and Kapanen is establishing himself as that. So it's kind of funny to think back that it was only hmm, five, six weeks ago that Sullivan benched Kapanen for the third period of a game, not long after his arrival, because he didn't like what he was saying, and he thought it was worthwhile sending a message right there during the course of a game, which is something that he has not done often as a head coach. Kapanen, it's safe to say, figured it out and he figured it out in a hurry. And good for him. This is this is a this isn't some problem child. The Kapanen, I gotta tell you, when he arrived here as an eighteen year old Out of Finland came as a pretty mature young man, Uh, the son of an NHLer, Sammy Kapanen. For those of you uh, who don't go back that far, he'd learned uh, a lot about hockey behavior from being around NHL people, following his dad around. And that's something that you've seen throughout sports. You can Pick your sport, pick your team, and you'll find examples of this. That the players somehow come with an extra edge of maturity when that's the case. So, what actually went wrong? Well, that part's simple. He wasn't doing the 200 foot thing that everyone knew he could do and did do when he was in Toronto. Maybe he showed up in Pittsburgh thinking, well, here's my chance to be the 40-goal guy I always wanted to be, or even a 30-goal guy, which I always wanted to be in Toronto. And now here I am on the top two lines, which I never really got a chance to do with the Maple Leafs because they had Mitch Marner and William Nylander ahead on the depth chart. And that maybe he thought that this was going to be woohoo, and he didn't have to do those other things even though they were already part of his game. I don't know how many people in Pittsburgh realize this, but not only was he a really good defensive forward, not Selke winner level, but he was responsible, but also he was a penalty killer for them. We still haven't seen him do that for the Penguins. Sullivan did know that, of course. Sullivan wasn't about to just let it play out or let it, morph into something where he couldn't control it after a period of time. You know what I'm saying? He didn't want to let it snowball. So I'm sure he had the talk behind the scenes first, and then when he saw that it didn't get through, he's like, all right, well, I'll do it in a game if I have to. But let's talk about that doghouse. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes their socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, hypoallergenic, warmer than wool. This is the time of year for Warrior Alpaca Socks. When you go to their website, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK just for our podcast listeners. To the subject of Mike Sullivan's doghouse, I'm going to rewind to a separate situation from a few years ago. I'm not going to name the player. I will tell you that it started on the morning of a game the Penguins were playing in Boston. I got some information in the Penguins' locker room, the visiting locker room there at TD Garden, that strongly suggested that Sullivan had really tore up one of his players right in front of the room and that it was embarrassing and everything else here. I hesitate to even repeat this because the following day after we were back in Pittsburgh, I got uh, a message from Sullivan outside the usual realms, like usually the coach or Whoever it is that tries to reach out to a reporter will do so through media relations or, or whatever, and he 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 came directly to me. And he said, "I you know I got I understand you know you have a job to do and everything else here. I respect what you do, um, I respect your work, and everything else here. I got to tell you that this thing, this screaming at this player, this 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 didn't happen." And I heard him out, and I, of course, ended up printing his side of the thing. I trust both sides of this story as it was given to me to this day. And yes, that is possible because there are different ways to interpret the same event. And I'll I'll always give both sides the benefit Uh, And in this case, really give both sides a benefit. But what struck me was this, and this is why I'm sharing it with you. Sullivan went out of his way to say, I don't do that. I don't embarrass my players. I don't embarrass them individually. If I've got something to say, I'm going to pull them aside. I'm going to bring them into an office. I'm going to take them somewhere where they're not going to be Embarrassed around their teammates, because that doesn't help any of us. That doesn't help the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's not a motivating factor. Embarrassment is not something that makes you go, yeah, I feel great about being part of this. And moreover, he goes, I I, I don't have a doghouse. I've never had a doghouse. I don't believe in it. If you think about it, and again, I'm paraphrasing here based on my recollection of a conversation. It was a long time ago and obviously didn't record it. If you think about it, who does the doghouse help? If I have a player that I really, really don't like, or if I have a player that I just don't trust to be among the 18 players or 18 skaters that I'm going to dress for that game that night, I'm not going to address him. I'm not going to use him. I'm certainly not going to go to battle with him and expect that the rest of the team will have faith in me to produce accountability if they know that I'm playing a player I don't like. So I don't believe in it. This was him. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in the doghouse concept. And ever since then... I don't know that there was another case of anyone mentioning Sullivan's name and the term doghouse in the same sentence until this. And I'm here to tell you the dynamic's really different, obviously, between media and team now because of the locker rooms being closed, Zoom calls, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't have access to the same amount of information I normally would for you, but I can tell you that this sure doesn't look like a doghouse situation ever existed between Sullivan and Kapan. And To hear both of them describe this since then, including both of them addressing it again this week, it was described as a very mutually positive dialogue, mostly from Sullivan, but just saying, look, we we think you're this. <laughs> this is what we want from you. We don't want you to think that our expectations of Kasperi Capitan are down here. We think that they're up here. If we didn't think that, I could actually accept your performance as it is, because you'll probably produce enough points just by kind of sleepwalking around or hanging out by the red line, seeing what comes your way. And part of his message to Cap and this I know for a fact, was about the opportunity that he has in front of him. Not the opportunity that, oh, I'm coming to Pittsburgh and I'm automatically in the top six because That wasn't the case then. He got dropped to a third line, a fourth line, and then benched for a period. But the opportunity is what you make of it. You're here in Pittsburgh. You're playing with either Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. You're playing with guys that have won one, two, three Stanley Cups. You're in a really, really good place, kid. You could be somewhere that is not this place. So don't don't squander it. Don't waste it. That's all. It wasn't some beratement. It wasn't some uh, trying to bring him down a peg or anything like that. It was the exact opposite. From everything I understand, it was the exact opposite. And nowhere in there was any kind of doghouse. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. Time for just one question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do that by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that contains this podcast and leave it right there in comments. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you always by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. They're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need in western Pennsylvania. They're here for you when you need them. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you. Today's just one question comes from Ian Witten, who asks, Hey, DK, what's been up with the PK this year? Why are they not being aggressive and instead backing up, letting the other team pretty much score at will? Well, the idea, Ian, isn't to let them score at will. But I agree with you that they've been more passive than they have in the past. You know, I was talking about Sullivan and some of his tendencies in the opening segment. I'll tell you that one – term that he can't stand, and I've actually used it on a couple of occasions just because I felt it was the right term, is passive. If I'll say that the Penguins looked passive, he could rip the team into oblivion and he still can't handle that word because I feel like he takes that as an affront to his system in those settings where his system actually is passive because you can't have that word going through your players' heads. You can't have them thinking passively. But make no mistake, there's a difference between the Jacques Martin penalty kill and the Mike Vellucci penalty kill. Martin had the Penguins protecting a box, using sticks, using bodies to keep the puck out using sticks, using bodies to keep the humans out. But Martens definitely had more of an edge than what we're seeing from Vellucci's. And it's not even been half of a shortened season yet, to be fair. And the Penguins have been racked by injuries to the defense core and for the better part of This portion of the season, they didn't get very good goaltending either. So putting all of those things into the same pile, I still haven't liked what I've seen of Vellucci's PK system. It's not completely passive. If it was completely passive, you'd never put Brandon Tanev out there. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But it's not that, but it's also not aggressive. Um, maybe this is kind of crude on my part, but one thing I've always appreciated when watching hockey is a really, really aggressive PK. You know who does that? Yeah, the Flyers. That's what you were thinking too. They've had several different coaches, obviously, over the past decade and change. But one thing that's really held true with that organization is that they believe in an aggressive PK. Even when the rest of the league was turning all the way toward pack it in, protect the box, pack it in, block shots, block shots, block shots, the Flyers kept going after you. And even when the Flyers weren't good, when they weren't making the playoffs, for the most part, they still had pretty good PK. And remember, that's with not good goaltending, because the Flyers haven't had that since the Penguins' current GM was in that. I'd like to see the Penguins turn power plays around a lot more often than they have. They have the people to do it. They have the players who have the mindset to do it, not just Tanev. Teddy Bluger is good at that sort of thing at all points on the rink, and then when the Penguins get to PK, all of a sudden they're packing it in. Uh, Zach Aston Reese has – a naturally aggressive tendency. He's not very fast, so it doesn't always show, but he has that. And they're packing it in. Uh, Chris Letang, one of your most important penalty killers, and a really good one, by the way, very much has that aggressive gene in him. So sometimes you're going to see situations where the Penguins guys have these tendencies, and they're going to just stray from that system and go after somebody But because the system is designed to keep them tight, there's an enormous hole that gets exposed behind them, and that leads to some of the really ugly, super easy goals that you've seen from the opponents this year. I don't like this thing. This is my (laughs) short version of what I'm telling you here. I don't like this system. I'd have to really, really, really be sold on its successes over a period of time. To me... Yeah, the defense injuries and the lousy goaltending hurt the PK numbers, and Vellucci deserves some time to improve upon that now that those things have both swung in the other direction. But show me a team that's incorporating passive things into its bloodstream, and I'll show you a team that won't get very far because it's not – It's not a great mental approach to take to anything in competitive athletics. Really good question. Thanks for that, Ian. I appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll do this again tomorrow after the Penguins play the Rangers again tonight. That's a 6.08 p.m. faceoff at PPG Paints Arena. I'll be over there. If you're over there as well, you know, one of the 2,800, turn around, look up at the press box and wave or something.